Welcome to the inaugural audio edition of Think of the Children, a newsletter about the intersection of American parenting and education. I'm Emily Popek, journalist and school communications professional. My guest for this first audio newsletter is Shannon Carpenter, author of The Ultimate Stay-at-Home Dad, Your Essential Manual for Being an Awesome Full-Time Father, out in October 21 from Penguin. So, um, Shannon, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, and you can get a book plug in there as you do so, and then we'll talk right. about your book a little bit. We will. Uh, my name is Shannon Carpenter. I'm uh, a human writer and parenting writer from uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and I have a book coming out on October 12th called The Ultimate Stay-at-Home Dad Manual, Your Essential Guide to Being a Full-Time Father. Um, I also host a podcast called Dad House. Um, and mainly what I like to do and what I do is give fatherhood advice or seek out the advice that dads deserve. That's what I go for. Awesome. That's my plug. <laughs> That's great. It's a great plug. Um, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how the book came to be. Like, what did you see that kind of wasn't out there in the world of, of parenting sure. books for dads? Well, there, there's not many and the books that are out there now and there's some good ones, but they just assume that the baby stops growing at one year old or two, and then that's it. You don't need to know anything else after that. Or the advice that is given to dads is condescending, like we're dumb. And that's the cliche, the, you know, the Homer Simpson dad, that's, it's funny, but um, it's really nothing geared toward us to actually how to do things, do parenting um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, people make the assumption that, uh, um, mom is a, is an obstacle and the baby is just a thing and you want to get back to work into the golf game as quickly as possible. And that was never my experience. And that was not the experience of any of the fathers that I know. We, we love our kids. We want to be involved with the kids. So I wanted to write a book that spoke directly to that and said, okay, this is how you get things done. We're going to get rid of the, the father platitudes of take it for the, you know, take one for the team or tough it out. None of those mean anything. And I'm going to tell you how to cook with a child near you. Or the baby on your hip. I'm going to tell you where you can go to find an adventure because you don't have to go to the same places every time and you don't have to be bored. Um, and that's what I did. It's all practical advice. There's very little platitudes in there. That was my point. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's definitely one of the things that frustrated me, even, even as I was reading things that were geared to me as a mom about parenting yeah. books is it was like 90% platitude, 10% like actual actual advice like okay but what do i like that all sounds great what do i do do? yes (laughs) i know how do you clean with a toddler i've heard it said it's like trying to brush your teeth while eating oreos and that's true right how do you do that you know and dads we just we needed help and so hopefully the help i hope i hope i got him help (laughs) we'll see do you think i wonder this might sound sexist but i'm curious what you think um do you have a sense that dads in particular as an audience um, are, are particularly interested in very direct advice of the kind that you're describing. Yes. I will, I will tell you how to reach dads. This is what we don't want. We don't want the sentimental story that much, you know, that's fine, but we've all been there, you know, and those sentimental stories don't really reach us because they're uncomfortable feelings, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but our minds are geared very much in general to goal oriented um, task completion, you know, very linear thinking in general. So to reach dads, you do two things. You give them straightforward advice, no fluff, 
just this is how you do it. I'm going to tell you how to do it. That's how you do it. And then you wrap the other stories to illustrate that advice. You wrap it in humor. Dads love to laugh, you know, the whole dad joke. If you can do those two things, then at least I think so. And what my experience has been is that's how you reach dads. Yeah, it's interesting you say that too, because now that makes me think, you know, I'm sort of realizing how much quote unquote parenting advice really isn't advice. It's really just like, it's okay to feel the way you feel da, da, da. Yes, you know what I mean? And like, it is, I didn't need that either. Like, I, like, because underneath all of that feeling stuff is this assumption that like, well, you know what to do. Like you already know what to do. I don't have to yeah. tell you what to do. I'm just going to help you cope with like, you know, whatever, like being tired. But like, what if we don't, I didn't know what to do. What if we don't no. know what to do? And for like, for here's my example for a dad, right? our diaper bag, right? I, I recommend that you get your own diaper bag that you don't use moms because that creates, you know, conflict and you got to control what you got in there. But yes. what do you pack in a diaper bag besides diapers and wipes, right? As a dad, I've never even thought about it before I had to do it. And then I learned along the way, it's like, these are things I need, you know, some diapers and wipes and a changing pad because changing tables are not a thing all over. And that gets awkward. You know, I got to change in some very weird places. I mean, floors of restaurants, back of cars, I've had to do that. Um, And then I've also, yes, I've also noticed that if I have a multi-tool, like a Leatherman multi-tool on me, I can repair and fix toys and strollers right there on the spot. And that's, that's what I mean about embracing who you are as a dad. I can do those things. And I also carry around a little roll of duct tape because I've been in those positions with that last diaper, that tab breaks. And it's my last one, right? But now I got my duct tape. Just make a new tab right there. And so that's the advice that I wanted. It seems simple until you have to actually think about it. And so part of the book too, I interviewed 57 other dads and got their best advice, their best hacks, you know? So this is not just me talking. It's 57 other guys and some genius stuff in there. Stuff that even now I've been doing this 13 years that I was like, I'm going to start doing that. (laughs) Right. There's always, yeah. I feel like there's, there's no end to like the parenting wisdom you can collect, right? Yeah, it is nuggets that you're like oh man i'm totally gonna use that i know i had to like stop because i just ran out of time i was like i've got to turn it in now but i'll get to the rest of you guys book too we'll do that (laughs) for sure yeah that's great um do you have like can you throw out a tip for me like one that's top of mind for you right now something that you heard from someone else that you're like i'm totally stealing that uh yeah put your coffee grinder in the garage Mm, yes ours is in the basement that was (laughs) life-changing it was a dad told me that and I, I gave him a shout out the other day that uh, it's the best way not to ruin nap time, but get your energy up. And I was Absolutely. like, that's good. And that's tons of stuff like that. Like one of my pieces of advice that I give out and that's, you know, people laugh when they hear it, but it's get a wet dry back for your kitchen, just a small one. And because kids love dumping stuff on the floor, like entire boxes of cereal and a two-year-old loves putting stuff in stuff. And you can just give them the wet vibe back, tell them, pick it up, and they will go nuts. And it changed how I cleaned and how I kept my day organized. So those are the tips you're going to find in the book. Absolutely. That's great. Um, Shannon, how many kids in your family and like roughly their ages? ages? What's the age span? I have a daughter who's 15 and has got her driver's permit. So that's a bit terrifying for me right now. I have a son that is 13. And I have another son that is eight. So I have a, a sophomore in high school, an eighth grader, and a third grader right now. So I'm kind of a little bit everywhere. Yeah. Um, but my, I'm, out, I'm out of diapers, so I'm happy. Yes. Yeah. My daughter's <laughs> nine. So we just, we just started, today was the first day of fourth grade. Um, so you're a stay-at-home dad, but obviously you yeah. work. 
and do uh-huh. thing. You know, you write, you have your podcast. All right. So yep. when you're working on those things, typically where are your uh-huh. kids, is this all getting squeezed in during the school day? Do you carve out time? You know, I know some people love the early morning. Some people are staying up late. How does all that work for you? So, and again, the last 18 months changed everything because I had some free time in the afternoon, but then I homeschooled all three of my kids last year because, uh, you know, we were virtual schooling, but I've written forever and I can legit write anywhere. I've written in volleyball stands. I've written on soccer fields. Um, I've written in restaurants. You know, I keep a notebook on me. Um, I do all those things. I bounce houses. I found that to be one of the best places to write those little jungle gyms. Um, while the kids have a good time, especially when they're younger, it seems like I had less time. Um, if I need some real privacy, um, I actually carved out a space this last year. My wife's walk-in closet. Um, and they know when that door is shut, not to touch it. <laughs> but um, I found also that I write better when there's chaos around me because it's been so long. And it's weird. I put on headphones and I jack up some heavy metal music, but I need to have that chaos that I can see. And that comes through in my writing. So I don't have a particular time that I write. I just write when I can. Um, I write a lot. Now, with school starting back up, I try to cram most of it within the day. But the truth of it is also I do some better writing at night when the kids are all in bed. I do the bedtimes and we talk and we laugh and then I can write part of a story that I want to get out there. So that's the way it works. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bedtime writer myself. It's like, yeah, it's because you feel that for me, it's like that there's that closure on the day and you're like, yes, we're done. Now right? I got calm. And, yeah. 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 And every parent has to write when you can, when they, you know, it's nutty out there and it's part of the deal. <laughs> Absolutely. You squeeze it in where you can. Yeah. I, yep. um, I've been doing a lot of research, uh, and I like was relating to what you said. I always have a book and some index cards in my, in my bag. Right. So it's yeah. like, Oh, I've got 10 minutes before I pick up my kid. Like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's do go. This. She's got jujitsu lessons. Like I'm sitting in the <laughs> car with my book. Like, here we go. Tell me, one thing that is challenging about parenting for you, like at this particular time in your life, like what's hard right now about being a dad? What's hard is being a dad now. So I have teenagers and that has changed things given this last year. The teenagers are more aware than ever of what's going on in the world and it affects them and it upsets them and helping to guide them through the things they've seen from the racism and the hatred to stupidity to all those things. Um, that's a challenge for me um, because we're kind of going through some of that together because it just seems so much. That's, that's I think, the real challenge is how do we guide our kids through those, those big moments that we're living through right now? You know, Absolutely. this has gone, this is, this is, yeah, it goes beyond what's going on with my homework. It's this, okay, what does Black Lives Matter? Why does that matter? You know, how do I guide them through that? And what do I do when I see online trolls and hatred? And how do I confront that? Because my kids are not, they're very vocal about it. I found most teenagers to be vocal about that. So guiding them through that is, is a challenge. Absolutely. The things we don't have the easy answers for, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I can tell you what two plus two is, right. If we got to talk about institutionalized racism, we're going to need to sit and and discuss this. Right. It makes, it makes the sex talk even seem easy. You know, the the birds and the bees, that was no problem. (laughs) I know about that stuff. (laughs) I know. It's like, okay, we're going to learn together, honey. And that's what we do. Thinking about your household compared to the household you grew up in, what's one thing that you're doing differently as a parent? We communicate a lot, a ton. No topic is off 
off limits. And that's a great question, by the way. I've never been asked that. This so, is like, this is the topic I'm obsessed with, right? Is the, yeah. what are we doing differently from our families of origin? And sometimes those things are really wonderful things. And sometimes yeah. those things are things where we're like, why am I still tying my kids' shoes when they're 10 years old? Because you have to change who you are as a person a little bit and learn different ways. Because me growing up, so my dad had multiple sclerosis, right? But we didn't talk about the multiple sclerosis. We didn't talk about anything. Not really, not like that. You know, my dad was pretty straight laced as you do the right thing. And even when it's hard and that's what you do. And we had a very good bond, but there was no discussion. Um, and especially nothing about mental health. Like that was never discussed. And my wife makes fun of me about this because her family is the exact opposite. They're very, very talky. There's no boundaries whatsoever. And it's very weird for me at times. And with my kids, I paid a lot of attention to their mental health last year because they were isolated. There was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of stress. They were basically turned into office workers. So we had open dialogues uh, every day. And I think that's the change that I, that's different from my own kid or when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I imagine you're not alone in that, right? I think a lot of us grew up in those households where like- No. It's just not a topic for discussion. What's something you swore you would never do as a parent you absolutely have done? You know, before you have kids and you're like, I would never do that. Um, can you think of anything like that that you're like, okay, now I get it. Or you're like, crap, I did do that. You know, like, I thought I thought it would be a lot like my father and a lot of parts are that I would tell them to tough it out. And I hmm. do at times, you know, um, and then I would be very hard on them, you know, cause you have to grow. And I thought, here's what I thought. I thought I would be a very big fan of spanking cause I got whipped when I was a kid. And then I had a kid and I was like, nah, I'm not doing that because I can't tell them not to hit and then hit them. It makes no sense. And it's negative reinforcement. And I don't want to use negative for, I want to use positive reinforcement for better outcomes in the future. Um, and I think that's, that's one of those things that changed from when I was young, an idiot 20 year old to being a dad, you know, like, okay, now I need to really think about this because yeah, that's that, interesting. Yeah, that, that macho bullshit's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think there are things that are like, sometimes it's for your specific kid too. Like I yes. know parents who are like, I'm never going to use a timeout. And then they meet their kid and they're like, this kid absolutely needs a timeout. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's one thing in theory, but it's like every kid is their own 100%. person. And like, oh, maybe I never used a timeout yep. with my older kid, but like this guy needs one right now. So like, guess what? That's what we're going to do. Um, it's, it's that part of well, it's it. It's even too. like pacifiers. <laughs> yeah. I, people, I'm never using a pacifier and I'm like, get on a six hour car trip. Let me know how that works out. Right, right. <laughs> or like, yeah, easy for you to say if your kid always spit the thing out and didn't want it. Like, sure, yes. you can use a pacifier. Fine. Great. But like, yes. you know, meet my kid. I know. It's again, it's where rubber meets the road, right? You had these huge ideals. And when I first stayed home for the first time, I thought I was going to have this great schedule and they were going to be educated and they could read by the time they were three and then you're in it and you're like, that's not going to work. <laughs> I can't yep. even shower. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. So shifting to school for a moment, uh -huh. did you sure. choose your kid's school or did they just go to the local school? They go to the local school, but we chose where to live because of the schools. That was like the number one mm -hmm. thing that we chose. And I did a lot of research because we moved here when my daughter was 19 months old. Mm -hmm. So all the suburbs around Kansas City and we're in one of the suburbs. So I actually did all the research and pulled data of graduation rates, college rates, testing site rates, 
um, compared what was the good school districts and what what, what weren't. Um, and that was a big, big deal to me. And I realized that my wife and I had that ability to make that choice. And that's a privilege and I know it, but I'm thankful for it. But yeah, we chose. Um, so that actually gets to my next question. And you said a few of these things. I'm always curious to ask people when you're looking to find out if a school is good, um, mm -hmm. where do you look and what do you look for? So you mentioned graduation rates, um, you mentioned like college, uh, you know, the rate of kids that are going to college. What are some of those other things you looked for yeah. and where were you finding that data? And it was all those things. Those, there's a bunch of big things and a bunch of little things when you look at schools. And you prioritize different based on what you want. So my big ones were graduation rates, uh, class sizes, um, and I think money per student. I think I actually threw mm -hmm. that one in there too. Mm -hmm. um, it's a weird stat, you know, but it kind of, to me, it kind of shows the commitment that the community has to right. that school. And that's, yeah, that's no. really what I wanted. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's weird. I mean, this one works in public education. We think about that number a lot, right? I'm, like I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, talked to a lot of people who are like, oh, I asked around. Like I asked my, I asked my realtor, um, no. you know, I did. <laughs> so I'm always curious kind of where people turn to first um, when they're trying to make those, those judgments. For me, it was city website followed by school website, followed by places that had data centric mm -hmm. uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want like same thing in my book. I don't want empty, meaningless numbers and things. I want specifics, you know, asking my realtor, you know, that may start me like I should look at the school, but I'm not taking your word for it. Right. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Trust, but verify. Right. Um, That's yeah, how absolutely. we got people taking horse to warmer right now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Cause she's trying to sell you a house. Right. So she'll say yes. anything. So you're like, okay, but let me, I'm just going to look that up on my own. So Tell me something you love about your kids' school. I know they're all different grade levels, so it's going to vary. Mm -hmm. But what comes to mind when I when I say that? You know, for me, with all three kids, I, and I really truly mean this, I love their teachers. They are committed, man. And we've been lucky enough that we've had mostly great and wonderful teachers. Um, and they seem to put up with so much stuff, but they give so much. And even last year during COVID, you could see this. And... I always, when I go into the classroom every year and the, I make sure they know who I am and all that stuff, um, I always ask, what do you need and what do you want that you don't put on a list? Like what will make a difference? And it could be small things like, you know, I need more tissues or I need I a pencil sharpener. Tissues. Yeah, I know. Or a pencil sharpener, you know, things like that. And I want to let them know is like, quit spending your money and let us spend ours. Um, you've got a hard enough job. So that, in honesty, that is my favorite thing. And it, it hurts me when I see some of these teachers retire because they're just done. And I get why they're done. And COVID was really rough on them last year. Um, but I'm also a little sad that other kids don't get some of the quality teachers that we've been lucky enough to have. We have some mm -hmm. amazing teachers here. Yeah. That's, That's my favorite thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the flip side of that, if you could change anything about what goes on at your kid's school, what would it uh -huh. be? Communication. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think this is, you know, I don't think I had a ton, a, a big problem with before COVID, you know, um, but since the communication is just not clear and it's an issue, you know, and I know they have a lot to handle, but we're talking again, specific, easy things. Like the way our, our online school started was they basically said, go to this website that we use for school. That's all they said, like not how to use it, where to go, how things were going to work, literally nothing. And we had to figure that out. And it's been a recurring problem in general. 
Um, I get newsletters from the school and things like that, but you have to actively work to find out the things you want to know. There was a, a parent who was signing up for kindergarten for the first time that I was talking to, and she she knew the website, but it was it's not intuitive, and she didn't know about the other things that they do for kindergarten kids. You know, um, the the drop off in the morning, how that works, and uh, there's a program called. Uh, um, I think breakfast with dad and breakfast with mom that morning. So you can actually have that experience that's just not communicated very well. And I think communication now with the way schools are having to handle this now, I think it's, it needs to improve. That's the biggest problem that I have. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Cause I feel like sometimes in my experience, schools skip over the obvious stuff. Like, they do. Like the most, just very, like there was a point a couple of years ago, my daughter um, had always ridden the school bus uh-huh. and uh I had to take her to an appointment or whatever. And I realized that I didn't know what time the school day ended. I had no yes. idea what time they dismissed from school. So I thought, cause I, you know, like the time her appointment was going to end, like it was going to be around the end of the day. And I wasn't sure, like, am I going to bring her back or are we just done? So let me, let me find out because like, I don't know what time yeah. my kid gets out of school. I have no idea. I just know when the bus gets to our house. Right. Yes. That's um, it. So I'm going on the website. I'm trying to find it. And you know, I had a call and I felt like an idiot talking to the secretary. She knows who I am. My kid's been in school there for like three years. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, Lori. I <laughs> know. Emily, can you just um, <laughs> can you just remind me what time does my kid get out of school? There's like a pause. And I can know she was just thinking like, are you freaking kidding me? But they don't tell you. No. Like, or they tell like you that. once, like, you know, like in September and then they think you're going to remember it like in May. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. And things change. And I have kids in three different schools. Right. And I do tell dads this. I say, go know your secretary. Because as a dad, yes. you have to be almost vetted, right? Because the first call is always to mom, but you're trying to tell them, all right, I'm dad, call me first. Right. But go know these. Like, I know Donna. Donna, I've known Donna for 10 years. When she retires, I'm going to be at her retirement. Right. <laughs> because She's going to get some flowers from you. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm like, I've called her. I was like, Donna, what time does this end? What time does this begin? Where do I need to go? She is like the, the gatekeeper for that entire yes. system. Yes. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Don't underestimate the secretary. You do no, some of your no, own no. peril to your point, too. You reach the point when you're like, boy, I sure have to call Donna a lot to ask about these things. Like, it would be cool if they would just tell me. So I didn't yeah. have to have to call her. Just give me a little primer. Just, uh, yeah, just like tell me what time <laughs> school's over. Um, yep. So tell me something that one of your kids does or that all your kids do that really pushes your buttons, like something that really gets you. I will tell you right now, the one thing that just kills me that just makes me want to just lose it is <clears throat> leaving the dishes out, assuming that I will do them. Like they'll get her from dinner and we've been doing this for years and years and just leave their plate. And they'll walk away and I'll be like, I ain't your maid, <laughs> come back. And they all three do this is, and they all three have to come back and clear the plate and load the dishwasher and do those things. Um, but it, it, it happens during the day too. Like there's just a random plate on the kitchen table that someone's got to pick up and the table's not wiped off and there's breadcrumbs everywhere. And that's a pet peeve for me now, you know, um, that's pushes my buttons pretty hardcore. <laughs> I think a lot of parents can relate to that. I think so too. So this is my last question and then I'm going to let you go. We're going to end, we're going to go out on a high note. Um, okay, let's do it. I want you to tell me something wonderful about your kids. Their sense of adventure. And I'll, I'll, I'll be specific here with it. For the last 11 or 12 years, we've done what we've called the dad's trip, right? It's, it's five dads, 16 kids. And we pick a direction and we just go. 
And I do that to build memories, right? The moms stay home. And that time that I get on the road with them, you know, with all 16 of them, like I've known all these kids since they were in diapers and changed all of them too. You know, cause we started with a big ball of twine, the world's largest ball of twine. It's a real thing, right? There's actually three of them, but that's, this is the base. <laughs> but um, we've seen the world's largest pair of overalls, the largest shamrock. That's a thing. Um, the world's largest baseball bat was this last time. So the kids will find things and like, we have to go to the Shannon. Like there actually is the home of sliced bread. Like that's a real thing. There's the factory that first sliced bread. It's Maybe. in Missouri. Yeah. And one of the kids said, we got to go see that as goofy as that is because it's not the destination. It is the travel to get there. So when we get all together, all the kids switch up cars because they've known each other for 13 years now. Um, my dad's group and I, we've been together that long. So what amazes me is to see them build those friendships and build their own memories outside of me. And then to push even further, can continue to do that. Their confidence level um, and to see it translate um, is to me as a dad, and I know this is very kind of big picture stuff. Those are the things that I know they're going to help them when they're adults, you know, and that's what I hope to do. So every time I see him do stuff like that, it's just, I'm just impressed with him. So I also build medieval siege weapons with the kids, all 16 of them. I know it's weird, but that's how dad's craft, right? <laughs> so we no built, judgment. <laughs> you can judge. It's funny because we built a giant ballista, like a real working ballista, which is nothing more than a very big crossbow right and the moms were not 100 percent on board but that's okay you know the dads were all there and so we, we we all get together and we're shooting stuff we're shooting eggs and arrows and things like that they went out on their own and built an arrow like a big long arrow and put a cottontail one of those weeds from a pond as the tip and they asked me they said can we light this on fire and shoot it the fact that they built that on their own right and it was good. Like they used just, I don't even know where they got the material, like the wood and the string and the barbed wire to build this arrow. Like they even found feathers from like birds and, and like stringed them on there. And I remember the moms were there and they're like, oh my goodness. And they started laughing and they're like, don't worry about it, honey. And so I turned to Luke and one of the kids was like, yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> so that's what we of did. Course. Of course you're going to do that. <laughs> so we lit an arrow on fire and we took it to a dirt road and we had some, all the dads lined up just in case. And we shot that thing in the middle of the night and that was amazing. So that's the kind of confidence I'm talking about. That's the kind of sense of adventure that I'm talking about. That's great. At least I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that's terrific. I love it. It was um, a good arrow. Yeah, it sounds like a good arrow. Those, those are my 10 questions for you. Uh, Yay. Thank you for talking with me again today. This has been awesome. Thanks for having me. This is a uh, good interview. I like this one. I want to thank Shannon for joining me and thank you for listening. I am Emily Popek, and this has been the first ever audio edition of Think of the Children, a newsletter about the intersection of American parenting and education. You can subscribe to my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash Emily Popek. That's P-O-P-E-K. And you can find links and show notes from this episode at emilypopek.com.